Welcome to another Pennsylvania Policy Podcast. I'm host Chuck Nichols with my co-host Jason Gottesman, the spokesman for the House Republican Caucus here in Harrisburg. Jason, we're having an interesting week, and it started out with a little bit of craziness coming out of Philadelphia. Once again, they want to have some control over gun laws, over law in Philadelphia that is really state law. Where do we stand on this? Why do we stand where we stand? And and, and what, what leg do they have to stand on? Yeah, well, I, I will start by saying that, you know, Pennsylvania's gun laws um, are, are – there are gun laws already in effect. And those laws are only as good as the people who uh, enforce and prosecute them. And until um, that's done appropriately, then, then no change in what gun laws are, making stricter gun laws, will have an impact. And I believe not only Mayor Jim Kenney of Philadelphia – but Philadelphia Police Commissioner Daniel Outlaw and uh, U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, Bill McSwain, who is based out of Philadelphia, have all said that until Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner starts taking more seriously the current laws on the books related to gun crimes and violent crimes uh, by keeping people pulled out of society instead of letting them back in the room free, that they uh, there's nothing that can be done. So and, Yeah, we're saying more that it's the person and not the gun. It, not only is it more the person, it's literally the person who is supposed to be prosecuting these crimes not doing their job. I mean, Larry Krasner has a long history of saying that he, in his position as district attorney now, he used to be a criminal defense attorney. Now he calls himself a criminal defense attorney with powers. Um, he has been, for the longest time, more focused on um, rooting out uh, those who protect and serve us uh, and, and kicking them out of the police force than he has been in taking violent criminals off the streets. Now, you know, Larry Krasner has, um, you know, a lot of philosophical differences with um, the, 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 the tough-on-crime stance. But if you look at what's happened in Philadelphia where you have uh, an exponential increase in the amount of gun crimes and violent crimes that have ha- been happening in the city, um, you can tie that back to a change in leadership from one person, which is uh, from district attorneys that really cared um, and ha- hired people that shared the values of protect and serve and um, standing up for law enforcement when that's, re- when that's reasonable and responsible uh, to uh, allowing violent criminals to remain on the streets and having a uh, political philosophy that impl- impacts all of their prosecutorial decisions rather than um, keeping the, the safety of the people, of citizens, uh, the citizens of Philadelphia uh, first in mind. And, of course, the surrounding area. You know, you've had situations where the DA's office has refused to prosecute people uh, because of immigration status, uh, being here uh, not legally. And uh, in one case uh, that we know of, that person went out to uh, rape a five-year-old family member. Um, so, you know, look, this this is a big problem in Philadelphia. Uh, the, their district attorney has, um, you know, lost all control over the violent crimes in Philadelphia. You have the Philadelphia Police Department that is doing their best to protect and serve the citizens of the city. Uh, but again, no no change in, in, in gun laws, whether it's state level or a local ordinance that would have more force and effect that they think because it's it responds to things that are going on, on the ground, um, would have an impact unless you have the district attorney who wants to see these arrests followed through with prosecutions. Um, and, and, you know, let's let's talk also about something else here, which is, you know, Republicans are, are also very much in favor of local control and local control of, of operating your municipality and all that stuff. Um, so why have this doctrine of, of state preemption? Uh, keep, keep in mind, this is a constitutional doctrine. Article 1, Section 21 of the Pennsylvania Constitution uh, articulates our preemption principle. Um, there's also federal preemption of state law. You can't, the state can't do anything uh, that is in contravention of federal law. 
Um, you can do things which are, are greater than federal law, give more protections, but you can't give less protections and you can't make laws that are in direct conflict with federal law. But municipalities are creations of the state. The state existed before these municipalities, and municipalities get their ability to act by the state. We have various codes. We have borough codes, first-class city codes, first-class county codes, things that apply directly to these municipalities because we have given them the authority to operate with some uh, autonomy. You have more under home rule that have more autonomy than others, but uh, that's a whole different subject we're going to talk about here. In Philadelphia, of course, being the the, uh, city of the first class and uh, the county of the first class has special privileges uh, as well. So um, it's not as though Philadelphia doesn't have some extra autonomy outside of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which it does. Uh, we've seen that in their coronavirus response where they've not exactly tracked Pennsylvania. But um, we have this constitutional doctrine of preemption because it is the state by which the people first gave uh, the, the authority to, to govern over them, not the municipality. The state gives away that power to the municipality to govern on their behalf. So therefore, we have the first and final say in what the laws are. And the municipalities can only really legislate in areas where we have not and, and areas to provide uh, more protections. Uh, and again, we have a constitutional right here in Pennsylvania uh, to, to uh, keep and bear arms that is stronger than the, Pen- the U.S. Constitution, Constitutional Second Amendment. It says in Pennsylvania that the right to, to, to bear arms shall not be questioned which is much stronger than um, than the U.S. Constitution's Second Amendment. And that actually answers a question that you've been hearing coming out of Philadelphia. Why haven't the state legislatures the state legislature done something about the, the gun issue? It is because our Constitution says we're not touching that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you have another a number of impediments. And, you know, frankly, this, this idea of preemption has been held up, especially in the gun cases, uh, by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court a number of times. Uh, it's really a tried and true uh, uh, principle that municipalities continue to uh, challenge preemption doctrine, especially when it comes to gun laws, only to have the courts tell them that, no, this is a principle in Pennsylvania that is based in the Constitution uh, and, 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 and based upon, uh, you know, years of precedent. So this is something that, that is, uh, you know, old hat. Um, you know, been there, done that. This has been tried over and over again. And frankly, this is just the latest case of, of Democrat leaders trying to subvert the Constitution by going to the courts rather than working through the legislature. And speaking of going to the courts rather than working through the legislature, we have to talk about election issues, which have been just thrown into all kinds of confusion because of contradictions between the legislature and the laws that have been passed rightfully, and the the state Supreme Court, which seems to have its own ideas about how elections should be run and how they should be managed. What is the latest with this, and why is it so confusing? What are we learning, and how can folks maintain integrity in when they're voting and knowing that their vote is going to count? Well, that has been our number one principle as House Republicans, is, is making sure that we have safe and secure elections with results that um, are reliable and, and on time, uh, as soon as possible at least. And and frankly, we passed legislation. The House Republican Caucus, in a bipartisan manner, we did our job. We passed House Bill 2626 uh, over to the Senate, with, which provides significant pre-canvassing uh, requirements of extra three days of pre-canvassing, while also um, you know providing additional security and safety measures, which are very important to our members. And again, some Democrats who voted in favor of this bill. So you know, while there's a lot of talk about what we can do for pre-canvassing, again, we did our job. We passed a bill that provides that. Now it's over in the Senate waiting action. And the governor has said he would veto this unfinished product. Now, as soon as today, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the governor did say that is a bill that could be made better, and he hopes to see there's improvements made. Now, that shows that there's some willingness to work with us, which, you know, we finally welcome because, frankly, he's been um, AWOL from these talks uh, for quite some time. 
Um, and, you know, when you come into negotiations, uh, you know, at the 11th hour, you really better come with more than half a loaf. And we've already proven and shown what we can do on a bipartisan basis in the House. The, the House Bill 2626 passed with a bipartisan majority of 112 votes. Um, you know, that's not a veto-proof majority by any means, but it does reflect that this bill does have bipartisan support. It reflects that we understand the needs of the counties and local governments in trying to get this election done on time uh, and have the ability to run things smoothly, And but also a reflection of our members' concerns that there be additional security measures and, uh, you know, moves to make sure that, that, that this election is done with integrity and that its results are beyond repute. We've long said that the, the faith that people have in their government is tied directly to the faith that they have in the election system that, that gives them that government. If they don't have faith in the election, system that they won't have faith in the government that governs them. And we need to make sure that we have security measures, that the uh, integrity of the election is appropriately maintained, and that um, you know we're, we're, we have reliable results as close to election day as possible. And I, just one more thing shortly here. You mentioned that you have to come with more than half a loaf when you come to these negotiations. The governor doesn't seem to have any bread at all, except for the bread that we've handed him. He vetoes and then does anyway. Uh, this week we heard about a, a changing of the regulations for the gathering limits. This was something we've been fighting for in the legislature for weeks, months. And uh, when, when it came, came to push and shove, he said, no, I'm going to maintain the power, but you're going to get your way. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. So you have uh, some flexibility, which again, we welcome. Um, and he, he took the 25-250 limits for indoor-outdoor gatherings, uh, which were found to be unconstitutional by the Western District of Pennsylvania, which is now on appeal in the Third Circuit, uh, and moved them to percentage limits based upon maximum occupancy. Uh, with a total outdoor maximum of 7,500 and indoor uh, maximum, I think, of 4,500. So, you know, look, these, again, we welcome the flexibility that he provided this week, but what you ultimately have is one person making a statewide mandate that doesn't take into account the local effects of the virus and our geographical differences, and that's a big problem. This, this virus has impacted Pennsylvania differently from Penn, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh to Sullivan County and Susquehanna County. Much different impacts, much different ability to deal with it, much different ability to, uh, and, and, and ways in which people get together. So um, that stuff needs to be taken into account. And also what doesn't make much sense is that the way that these uh, limits are set up is that you, can, you, you are allowed to have fewer people if you have a max, maximum occupancy of 2,500 than if you have a max, maximum occupancy of 2,000, um, just the way the numbers break out. So, um, you know, the Wolf administration said they would work with people who fall into consistency, but I just wonder why they didn't take more time and try to figure out where those cliffs are, um, how to make more sense out of this. And it looks like it was done um, haphazardly and just to slapdash something together so that um, their unconstitutional 25-250 limits were, uh, were no longer valid and that they would be able to avoid litigation, which seems to be this administration's only goal at this point, which is not working on behalf of the people, but avoiding court battles. This has been the Pennsylvania Policy Podcast with hosts Jason Gottesman and Chuck Nichols. Tune in for more on PA House Podcasts.